26. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you trouble of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel and meet me on Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the poor people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull that was given to them and prepared it. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or travelling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench round it, large enough to hold two sayers of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, 
and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Oh, thank you, Bev and Chris. We're beginning a sermon series looking at representations of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, in particular in the Old Testament. Now, last Sunday, Dan spoke about the life-giving breath of God, the Holy Spirit being the breath of God. And without that breath, we just cannot live. So this week, we're focusing on the Holy Spirit symbolized by fire. And we'll be using the story of Elijah that we've just had read to guide our thoughts. But first, I want to make an observation about verses 1 and 2 in this chapter that aren't necessarily pertinent to the subject other than providing some background. But I feel the Spirit has spoken to me about them. We're told in 1 Kings 16.30 that Ahab is the most evil king Israel has ever had. He and his wife Jezebel worshipped Baal, or Baal, the sun god, and Asherah, the moon goddess, and have built altars and temples to them. They have the Baalite and the Asherah prophets dining at their table. God tells his prophet Elijah to prophesy to Ahab that there'll be no rain or dew for the next few years until God himself says otherwise. Elijah's commanded to hide himself and God provides for him. Three years later, God calls Elijah to now present himself to Ahab. I feel this is a word from God for somebody today. There's a time to hide, be provided for and be alone with God. And there's a time to present yourself to the world. Is God asking you to come out of hiding and in obedience to his will, present yourself to the world in some way? Elijah simply obeyed God's command to go and present himself to Ahab, even knowing that Ahab had scoured the countries around him looking to kill him. Are we obeying God's command in our lives? Is it time now to present ourselves? So let's turn to our focus today. The Holy Spirit appearing as fire. The Holy Spirit always showcases who God and is and his will through his work. 
there are several aspects about the fire of the Holy Spirit. But when I pondered on who the Holy Spirit is and tried to describe him as simply as possible, I thought, well, the Holy Spirit's the movement of God. He's God's communicator. So when we see God in the fire, we're seeing the communication and movement of the Holy Spirit. God's represented as fire several times in the Old Testament, including his appearance to Moses in the burning bush and later as the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the night in the wilderness. You can read these two stories later if you want to. They're in Exodus 3 and 31. In both cases, the Holy Spirit reveals the presence of God through fire. He did exactly the same on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit revealed God's presence. And here in verse 38, we read, the fire of the Lord fell. Imagine the scene. The people of Israel and all the Baalite and Asherah prophets saw the presence of God manifest in spectacular fashion, consuming the whole sacrifice. The Israelites would have clearly understood the meaning of this consuming fire as they saw the sacrifice miraculously burn. They would have been brought up with the law of Moses, which included Deuteronomy 4, 23, 24, which says, Do not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. The God of the Israelites is a holy and pure God. His people had completely turned away from him and made idols and altars to Baal and Asherah, worshipping the gods of sun and moon. The sun and moon that ironically were created by Almighty God, Jehovah, the Israelites' true God, yet they were worshipping falsely named gods. It's still done today. People still worship nature. They marvel at it, but they don't give the glory to the one who created it. We hear a lot at the moment how much the natural world has been a blessing for people during the pandemic. And it has been naturally healthy and helpful during such a difficult time. God is good. There has been a rise in natural mindfulness, though. Videos of wonderfully detailed nature, yet there is no recognition or glory given to the Creator. Who or what are we worshipping? Is it the one true God, or is it a God of our making? So there's also power in the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's the second word beginning with P that I'll be using to describe the fire of God. Hopefully it makes 
it's a bit easier to remember. We've had God's presence in the fire and now we've got his power. The consuming fire comes from nowhere. It isn't man-made. In fact, Elijah has done everything as God commanded it to make the sacrifice impossible to burn. He's asked the Baal prophets to pour four large jars of water all over it, not just once, but three times. And verse 35 says that the water ran down the altar and even filled the trench. Fire is a powerful symbol. We know fire well as something warming and comforting on a cold night. Something we can use to cook, to feed ourselves. But it's also something to be in awe of. Because if we get too close, we get burnt. It can be very dangerous. Just a spark in the wrong place. But God gives us this fire. This fire of his, this power of his through the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts 2 um, and Pentecost in the upper room where the disciples received the power promised by Jesus in Luke 24, 32. Jesus says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. That power arrived in the form of tongues of fire and the Holy Spirit filled them. As Christians, we carry this power. So to my third P, fire is a purifying symbol. The fire of the Holy Spirit shows God's presence, God's power and the purifying acts of God. Burnt sacrifices were rituals required by the old law to cleanse the Israelites from sin before the future sacrifice of their Messiah. They were to sacrifice animals in a specific way. Their sin was symbolically laid on the animal and that animal suffered death and was burnt, taking the place of the people of Israel. The fire had a cleansing power. It purified the people of God from their sin so that they could stand before the Holy One. But look at the contrast between how the people felt at Elijah's sacrifice and the sacrifice in Leviticus 9 when they had been obedient. Verses 23 to 24 in Leviticus 9 say this, When Aaron and Moses came out from the tent, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they, would, they shouted for joy and fell face down. These people knew they'd been purified from their sin and they were joyous. But look at the contrast, the people's reaction 
in the story we've read. I don't think they're joyous. I think they're full of fear. It says, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I think these two stories illustrate the difference it makes when we're obedient to God's word in our lives. There's freedom and joy and blessing and peace in following our Father God, in being led by the Holy Spirit. There's fear and panic and pain in following other gods, in turning away from God. Whatever they may be, whether they're natural, physical, addictions or unbelief, look at the difference in the behaviour of the prophets of Baal who resorted to cutting themselves and shouting and frantically prophesying. And then Elijah, who simply rebuilt the altar of the Lord God that had previously been broken down. He prepared the bull in the way God had commanded, and he prayed. It jumped out at me in verse 36 that Elijah prayed at the time of sacrifice. He obeyed God. He had done all the Lord had commanded him, even down to the time of the sacrifice, even in all the chaos that surrounded him. Thinking about cleansing fire reminded me of many happy Saturdays spent as a child with my sister, running around, playing on the Yorkshire moors, eating bilberries and watching rabbits. As the heather and grass plants become older on the moors, they become less tasty and nutritious for the wildlife that rely on that habitat. So small areas are deliberately set alight. The process of burning small areas removes the older growth and allows the plants to regenerate after the burn. New heather and grass shoots follow along with a flush of plants like bilberries. And they're key food for the grouse, the deer, the rabbits, hares, and livestock that live on the moors. It's a purifying fire. It gets rid of the old, dirty, broken heather and promotes clean, healthy growth, new life. It's the same with the Holy Spirit with the fire of the Holy Spirit. What do you want the fire of the Holy Spirit to purify you from? Pray like Elijah did. Metaphorically build an altar, lay your disobedience on it. Cut it up and ask God to send his Holy Spirit, his holy fire. It can be belongings that make us feel secure. It can be painful. We don't like letting go of the things that we are used to. We don't like letting go of habits. But we know that the cleansing fire of God brings freedom, ultimate security, everlasting security, 
and a closer walk with him. So let's conclude having looked at the fire of the Holy Spirit as being a symbol of God's presence, his power, and his acts of purification by asking ourselves if we know the refining fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Or do our hearts burn within us as the couple going to Emmaus when they were speaking with Jesus? Do we know the fire of the Holy Spirit as God's power in us through his son Jesus? I want to close with this quote from the Reverend S.H. Kellogg, not related, as far as I know, to the Cornflake family, but one who played a slightly more important part in God's kingdom by revising and retranslating the Bible into Hindi. He says this, fire is the symbol of the intense energy of the divine nature which continually acts upon every person and on everything according to the nature of each person or thing, here conserving, there destroying, now cleansing, now consuming, the same fire which burns the wood, hay and stubble, purifies the gold and silver. So Lord, we ask you, to come down with your holy fire. Fill us with your power and purify us through the blood of Jesus. Amen.